Thank you for joining Resurrection Lutheran Church this Sunday morning, giving praise with us for God's blessings of music, prayer, and scripture. I, Pastor Karen Perkins, will be sharing a message of grace, forgiveness, and hope. All of the worship leaders welcome you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. time for our children's message. You want to go first? Okay. Have you ever been really angry? No. Have you ever been really angry? Yes. Yes. No? You've never been really angry. Have you ever been really sad? No? Yeah. We have. Those are some pretty big emotions. What about me? Have you ever been really sad? No. I, I don't believe that either. <laughs> but those are some big emotions, being really angry or really sad. Being really happy is a big emotion, too. But today, we're going to talk about some of the harder big motion, emotions. Sometimes those big emotions can feel overwhelming. Not just for kids, though. 
Has anybody in, uh, in the sanctuary been really angry or really sad? I see lots of head nods. Sometimes it can make us feel like we might explode, right? Yeah. And that's okay, because guess what? We are human, and humans have big emotions, and those feelings are part of being human and the way that God made us, right? Well, no, we won't actually explode open. It just feels like we might. <laughs> now, when you felt really angry or really sad, did it, did it stay around, that big emotion? No, it went away, right? Because you don't feel really angry or really sad right now, right? Can you sit, please? Yeah, it didn't stay because we can move through these emotions and return to feeling safe and heard and loved. And guess what? God is with us when we're having those big emotions, and he will help us get through those. And guess how he helps us? What are some ways do you think? Maybe by giving us people that would hug us and help us through those emotions, right? by building this community. So when you're really upset, who do you go to? Your mom or your dad. Your mom or your dad. And what if they're not around? Like, what if you're at school? Maybe you could tell your teacher. Yeah, you have a community. Well, guess what? The church is a community. So if you're here and you're really upset, guess who you could go to? Look, look up there. All of these people. Yeah, because God sent all of us here to help each other. Can we pray? Dear God, thank you so much for all of our big emotions, all the really happy ones and even the really hard ones. Thank you for the community to help us get through those emotions, and thank you for being with us when we're having those emotions. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I invite you to rise as you are able or return to your coloring if you would like. And we together welcome the gospel. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus exhorts his followers to embrace standards of righteousness that exceed legal requirements and traditional expectations. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be <coughs> liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. 
First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. You. you may be seated. Heavy texts this morning. I'm going to first draw your attention back to the Deuteronomy for two reasons. One, it relates to the gospel, and also it reminded me of an announcement that I forgot. So he says, today I sit before, or I, uh, set before you life or death. Choose life or choose death. When he says it like that, it's a no-brainer, right? Choose life or choose death. Well, I choose life. Um, I'm, in most cases, most of us are going to choose life. The problem is, it doesn't stop there. It gets more detailed. And before I get into the more details, I've got to make an announcement that I forgot, which is next Wednesday, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, February 21st, 22nd, February 22nd, is Ash Wednesday. On Ash Wednesday, we will have a service with imposition of ashes here at 5.30. So that's the 22nd here, 5.30, Ash Wednesday service, imposition of ashes. And then for the rest of Lent, we're going to have Thursday evening events that we're calling death and dinner. Or is it dinner and death? I don't know, one of those two. Basically, those two together, which means you will be invited here uh, from 5.30 to 7 for dinner will be provided. It's not a potluck. It's not soup. Well, it might be soup, but you don't have to bring soup. So a dinner here, and we will have a speaker talking about various topics related to death that are healthy for us to talk about, are healthy for us to talk about within the context of our faith, but that is very easy for a lot of us to put off. So we'll have somebody talk about wills. And what happens if you die without a will? And we'll have somebody talk about uh, funeral services and, um, I'm sorry? Advanced directives. And we'll talk about grief 
And one week we'll talk about uh, funeral planning and memorial planning, and I'll give you a chance to start planning your own if you haven't already. Um, and so we'll have a different topic each week. We have some of them already in place, some of them we're still nailing down, but it will be six topics over the course of Lent on Thursdays at 5.30. Um, dinner, presentation, conversation, and, and uh, we'll be done by seven. So I present to you life and death, death, uh, with dinner. When Jesus starts to detail, because he's talking about the same thing, as is, is Paul, by the way, but he's talking about the same thing on these, you have heard, but I say. Because it's easy for any of us to get caught in legalism. We all like to draw a line that makes us feel safe. And most of us, when asked where the line goes, it goes just as far as I'm doing it right, at least. And then maybe, maybe a little further. Because we like to draw lines, we like to have clean, uh, you know I, know, I know I'm good here, this is a challenge there. The problem is that faith doesn't work that way because it requires everything from us. There's no line. There is no line that separates us from the challenges we face and the distortions we face and the risks we take and the decisions we make that might not be choosing life. And so Jesus gets more detailed about it. And when he says, you shall not murder, but then he says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's great, don't murder. But if you're angry with a brother or sister, that is creating a gap that diminishes life between you. It diminishes the life inside because if you're angry and you're spinning the reasoning for your anger, and most of us are good at agreeing with ourselves when we're angry, right? Then what we're doing is we're thinking about those ways in which we can justify tension or enmity or brokenness or failure to value the relationship with other more than our anger. So don't commit murder. But if you get angry, you gotta be careful of that so you don't hold on to that. And, and Jesus is saying, you have to come and turn that over and be reconciled. So he's taking things that are easy to measure on the outside. You know, do I murder or don't I murder? That's pretty easy to measure. And saying, now you've got to look internally and be self-reflective. But self-reflective, not self-centered. Because the self-reflection is so that we can support life in our community, so that we can support living healthy relationships, so that we don't let our anger separate us from brothers and sisters in Christ, brothers and sisters in our family, brothers and sisters in our church, brothers and sisters in the community, so that we're more, not more attached to our opinion than we are to caring for what's life-giving for them. 
which, it, which is then allowing it to be life-giving for us. Self-reflective so that we can be closer to community. And there's always going to be more opportunity to give because we're being asked to back down. I hear people, it happens in the warming shelter, but it happens in a lot of places, where people kind of say, okay, you can do this and you can do this, but as soon as you do this to me, you are gonna see my bad side, don't get my face, or some variation on that. It takes on different language depending on different people. What we're being asked to do here is to say, somebody gets in my face, I'm gonna back down. For how many people is that comfortable? I would guess very few of us. I'm gonna back down. I'm gonna try to figure out why they're coming at me with what they're coming at me. I'm gonna try to allow the relationship to be more important than whether or not I can make a valid argument or I can I can win in this interaction. It's especially challenging because there are people who are victimized in our world. Some of the people here are victimized in personal relationships. Some people are victimized in the, our community. Some people are victimized internationally. And it's really easy for those of us to get, who have this theology to want those people to back down. Or if we get kicked enough for us to back down. And so the reality is that some of us have to learn how to not back down because that's the thing that's life-giving and have to learn how to, how to receive help not backing down because that's what's life-giving. And then we have to make sure that that doesn't become so much the part of the way we interact that we never back down. It's a matter of self-reflecting so that we can support life and so we can be supported in a living relationship. And we are called to stand up for others who are victimized. So here I am saying, back down. But part of what Jesus will go on to say, and later, later in the Sermon on the Mount, is you're required to care for your brothers and sisters. So you've heard don't steal. Well, what I'm saying is take what you have and make sure it's shared equitably with everybody else. Okay, choose life, choose death. Yeah, I'm all on board for choose life, choose, choose death. Don't murder. No problem. Don't be angry or back down when I am. A little harder. Stand up for other people when they need somebody to stand up for them. More complicated. Make sure that my money is shared equitably. Oh, that one's hard. And I know a lot of people here give a lot. Give a lot, give a lot of yourselves and give a lot of resources. But we're being called to have this continual cycle in business, what do you call it in business? Oh, did I go away? Okay, um, continuous improvement or something like really non, 
uh, non-fancy like that, where there's, it's, it's a, there are business um, uh, strategies where you, you continually reflect on what you're doing, how do we make it better, what are we doing, how do we make it better. And for us, it's what am I doing, how do I, how do I let God make me better? What am I doing, how do I let God make me better? What am I doing, how do I let God make this community better? Using what I have. Share what you have. And then, don't be separated in anger. And when you are, and when reconciliation is needed, humbly seek reconciliation. Okay, this is getting harder now. Humbly seek reconciliation. Well, there are people that it's easier than others to seek reconciliation with, and some people we get into more practice with. But then there are some big things. There are some big things, which is what I brought the, the paper for. There's a, a statement that was made by the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. This came out of the 2016 Churchwide Assembly, and it's called the Repudiation of the Doctrine of Discovery. Does anybody know what the Doctrine of Discovery is? So pretty much from, from like uh, the 14th, 15th century, when the Western Church at the time, the papacy, said Christians need to go forth and Christianize the world and kill those who aren't Christians and take over. I mean, that, that was kind of, that was, it's not exactly worded like that, but it was, it was a faith practice and it was based on some scripture of go forth and conquer, which is part of what supported the devastation and in some cases the genocide among indigenous people in the US, Native Indians, Native Americans, Native Alaskans, depending on what's what group we're talking about and what language is chosen. It says, we need to understand that the doctrine is an explicitly theological and Christian legal discourse firmly predicated on the global pronouncement made by a Catholic pope more than two decades before the Lutheran Reformation. Nevertheless, it was also the legal principle used by every Protestant Christian group who made claims to native land in North America, from the Episcopalians at Jamestown to the Puritans and pilgrims in New England and the Lutheran immigrants who swept across the northern tier of the U.S., claiming Indian land as their own properties. The Declaration of the Repudiation of the doctrine of discovery says that was wrong. That was not Christian. That was not scriptural. That was not just. And that was not following Christ. And we who are descendants who benefit from that are called to face it. And are called to reach out to those who have been most harmed by it. And in Alaska, it's Native Alaskans who continue to be harmed by this, by this mentality. Right? Even though the doctrine has been repudiated, there's still this mentality that gets deep in us. And we're called to seek reconciliation with Native Alaskans. And we're called to say, this land that I'm on, and in some cases that I own, has been stolen. That's a lot harder. I was good with don't steal. I was on board for that. 
I was on board for life, not death. But it gets harder. But that's what we're called to as Christians. Because as Christians, we're called to be peace builders. And in order to be peace builders, we have to be able to connect with other people. We have to be able to make space for differences. And we have to be able to change and be changed by them. So that we are honoring the life of our brother and sister as much as we are honoring our own lives, all of which is given as a gift of God. Now, none of us is going to be able to do this without the grace of God, without the God that poured out life for us, which is why we come to communion together and why we receive this one body and why we are made one body. But there's a challenge to it. And I've made copies of the paper, so if somebody's interested specifically in this paper, it's also on the ELCA website, but there are copies of the paper, take a look at it. Get to know this one statement. Think about how it might call you. In what way it might be asking you to change. In what way does choosing life, and the reality is that is life-giving. The more we are reconciled, the more we experience fullness in God's life. So if we want to choose life, Take a look at this, and then keep taking a look, and keep taking a look at what is really honoring the depth of the call, not the external form, the rule, the line, not just what affects us, but what consequently affects us as a body. Called together to follow Jesus, we pray for the church, the world, and all in need. Inspire your church that it may be a sign of life throughout the world. From the exploration of faith with children and new believers to missionaries, bishops, shape lives of faithfulness so that all find abundant life in your ways. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Nourish your creation. Accompany all who plant and water. Bless the work of farmers and fishermen. Provide for subsistence farmers facing drought and climate change. Guide the work of agricultural scientists towards sustainable ways to feed the world. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Give growth where there seems to be no hope for life. In nations and regions where reconciliation seems impossible, especially Ukraine and the Gaza Strip, empower peacemakers with your spirit. Where death holds sway through violence, disease, and hunger, equip Equip relief workers to bring hope. Merciful God, bring healing to all those who experience trauma caused by systems of injustice and destructive relationships. Give courage to those struggling to repent and those seeking reconciliation. Sustain all who work for restoration. Merciful God, Receive receive our prayer. Encourage this congregation. Call us to a common purpose and keep us from quarreling. Turn our hearts towards you and guide our leaders so that our choices may be life-giving for all. Merciful God, thanks be to you for the lives of all who have died in Christ. Teach us to follow them in your ways and gather us with them 
into the promise of eternal life with you. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We bring to you our needs and hopes, O God, trusting your wisdom and power revealed in Christ crucified. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us announce together the mission of Resurrection Lutheran Church is to promote spiritual growth in Christ and service to all people. The God who faithfully brings forth justice and breaks the oppressor's rod, bless, strengthen, and uphold you today and always. Follow the way of Jesus. Thanks be to God. This has been an abridged worship service of Resurrection Lutheran Church. You are welcome to join us for worship in person on Sunday mornings at 9.30. We are located at 740 West 10th Street in downtown Juneau. Our phone number is 586-2380. More information about our location, parking lot, current COVID policy, and other contact information is available on our website at rlcjuno.org. The website is also the best way to learn about what events are happening with the community outreach ministry, Juno Live. With a vital food pantry, bell choir, quilting group, Bible study, and others, there may be a ministry here just for you. Come and see.